0: Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Stephen McCoy, and you are listening and watching Sessions with Stephen. And today we have actor, writer, producer, and he just made his directorial debut, Mr. David Lipper.
1: (laughs) What's going on? Hi, Stephen.
0: And you're no no stranger to the show. No,
1: no, this is my second time.
0: I love it. And, you know, we're here to talk about your... You have a lot of things going on, by the way. You have Death Link, yep. uh, you have a new Christmas film that I'm, I must say, personally, I am a little excited about that, A Christmas Letter, and you also have a romantic comedy coming up as well. So you have your hands full and you have definitely been working. <laughs>
1: I somehow made five movies during this pandemic. It's crazy.
0: That's amazing. That is amazing. Now, I'm trying to see where do we even start off? I mean, you know, we have Deathlink, which I got to see. And um, wow, it brings me back to, in a weird way, um, the, the teeny bopper movie, like the thriller. Um, but in a new generation, as far as technology social social media is concerned, talk Yeah, to I us think you're, about- bang,
1: you're bang on with that. Like, this is drawing from films like Scream, and I know yeah. what you did last summer. Yeah. Um, and it's right in that tone. Um, but dealing with the dangers of social, mili- uh, social media is the morality tale. And, um, and kind of answering the question what is happening to our kids today? Uh, who are growing up on social media where everything they do and say, um, everything is a picture, a pose, uh, a text edit, uh, to look and present a certain way. Um, and that's one side. And it's like, how risque can I look? How little clothing can I wear? How hot can I look? Then the other side is the prank videos that have been going on. And, um, and where a lot of people... Um, have been humiliated, have been um, made fun of on a whole different level. You know, when I was in school, if somebody picked on me in the playground and made fun of me, I mean, it didn't leave the playground, right? So it was humiliating in front of the 20 people there. But that was it. But today, they take one of these and they film it. And then they broadcast it for the whole world to see. And now imagine you've been humiliated on a horrible prank And you can't go to the grocery store, you can't go to the movies, you can't go to the restaurant. Because everywhere you go, someone's looking at you and snickering and whispering. That's what's going on today. And you take that and you put it in high school. And if you go back to the way high school was, you know, kids can be vicious. And it's a perfect recipe for destroying lives. And so what happens in this film, You know, is they take a a kid who's black and who's gay and who doesn't fit their white privileged uh, mold and they choose to pick on him and um, prank him and uh, make fun of his differences, um, dressing him up and and broadcasting this video. And what happens is he ends up in a mental institution has a complete breakdown and um, and now he's out and somebody is killing these kids off one by one. And is it him? Is it somebody else? You got to watch the movie.
0: It's so juicy. I feel like because of that countdown, it's so much anticipation and anxiety and things. You almost want to like have a, a watch party and tweet and, and you know have, or join a, a group chat with friends. Like, oh my God, do you see what just happened? That's I, I got to tell you,
1: too, you know, movie. watching it in a packed house at the premiere um, the other night at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood, um, we had a, several hundred people there. I mean, the audience was laughing hysterically in all the right places and then gasping in in all the right places. So uh, as a filmmaker, that's exactly what you want to see when you make a tale like this. Um, and, um, you know, I'll just make also this this point to having cast Stephen Clark as the victim. and. You know, the lesson is let's cast whoever's best for the role, whoever's the best actor, whoever speaks to the character the best and not worry about what color he is or isn't. And um, the fact that this had racial undertones, um, which a lot of my people advised me not to bring into the film, you know, and said, maybe, you know, we don't really want to bring that up. We don't want to talk about it. You just want to have a fun horror movie. And it was just ironic that as I was editing the film, they were marching down the street saying Black Lives Matter and we need to have a conversation about white privilege and racism in America. And that is exactly what happened in this film, but it didn't happen intentionally. You know, it wasn't a film about race. It just seemed honest to me that this is a kid who would get picked on. This is something that's going on. Why are we trying to hide this? Maybe we should be talking about it. And, um, and... It, it was, again, this totally not intentional to me. It wasn't written like this. And this is not a movie about race or racism, but rather this is the kind of stuff that's actually going on and maybe we shouldn't ignore it and we should talk about it. Um, so it was just kind of gratifying for me to see that this explosion happened while I was in the editing room you know, where people are saying, we need to have this conversation. Um, So that is another conversation piece that hopefully comes out of this movie in a positive way, you know, and it's not something that we keep sweeping under the rug as if it doesn't happen because it does happen. And not only do I know it happens, but when I spoke to Steven, the actor who played Wayne, um, he told me some horrific stories of him being bullied in in high school. Um, And so that's how I knew when in the casting process that he was the right guy for this, for this character. You know, somebody I could sympathize with somebody who had that pain that we could draw from. Uh, And if we don't have that to open the movie, we don't have a movie. So um, so he was really the key to me in, in that first essential piece of casting. And I'm just happy. I, you know, didn't listen to the voices that said, Oh, you can't bring race into this. You know, you have to cast somebody white. No, I didn't
0: right and 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 I have to say thank you so much for um for pushing for that because i mean it's real it's it's a real honest story and although the film is not you know it's not a film about racism, but those undertones those uh you know reading in between the lines was brilliantly written, produced, and directed so um, I do love that you push that note forward because there are people um, who who aren't uh, people of color who aren't black and they're afraid to touch on that um, simply because I guess maybe they don't know much about it. But um, I think you guys did a great Thank job.
1: Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate that. And, you know, again, I I think we need to start looking at, just actors, just people, just doesn't matter what color, what sex, what gender, like who's best for the part. And that's it. And if we were true and honest to that, we wouldn't even be having these conversations because filmmakers would just be honestly casting if we didn't have to listen to an executive somewhere telling us he's gotta be this color or this gender or God knows what else. And, um, And the beauty of independent film I don't have to listen to anybody. I can just I make own film and make the choices that I think are are best and have the best impact on the morality tale. And at the end of the day this is a morality tale. A good horror movie has you leaving the theater asking questions and and having conversations and debates and saying, you know, what are the effects of social media? What what is this doing? How much time am I spending on this thing? And um and who am I hurting in the process? And if if you know enough kids can see this, and
0: who am I hurting? Yeah,
1: That's- and they can ask that question and go, you know what? I'm gonna put this thing down for a day, an hour, and and do something normal, like just be a kid and go play, like in a outside in a park. Right. Um, right. And you know, it's funny, I was at a Halloween party. And I hung out with a bunch of girlfriends and the whole party, it was, can you take a picture of me like this? Can we take a picture like this? I must've taken 500 pictures and the whole, I'm like, can we stop taking pictures and just enjoy the party? But like, it's like, there's nothing that's real anymore. It's just, how do I frame it for a good photo or video for my Instagram? And, um, and that's having an effect on all of us. So it's, it's a really important topic. You know, movies are there to entertain us and God willing, this is going to entertain a lot of people, but, um, but we have to have these conversations and we have to kind of look at ourselves and say, what's my part in this equation of the damage that's being caused uh, by this? 100%. I think that's,
0: so amazing and even it, it just obviously it mirrors it can mirror um the teenagers or even adults for that matter but i definitely feel that the younger demographic would definitely be in those theaters and and probably it really mirrors who they are they may be like oh my god i wonder is that how this person felt when i treated this or when I posted this on Instagram. Do you remember back in the day, it used to be people drawing mustaches on the girls' faces on the the walls or something, but now we're reposting onto the internet, which is, it's pretty much there to live forever. You know, people can always bring it back up. And imagine
1: you're in a small town, right? Where everybody knows everybody. And that's been broadcast. So like in this film, they're all in a small town and, um, and everybody saw it, you know? And, and so it's, it's even worse in those places because if here in LA, uh, not everyone's going to see everything, not everyone's going to know who you are, but in a small town, everybody knows who you are and everybody saw that video. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, we have to be very careful of this stuff. And, um, And like I said, at the same time, we have a lot of fun with the film um, and uh, it should be enjoyable and it should be entertaining. Um, One of the key things also is that I made sure I cast real influencers to play these characters, Um, not influencers trying to be actors, but influencers who are actors. So like Jessica Belkin, who uh, a lot of people may know from American Horror Story, Uh and a bunch of other things. Um, and she's got about three million followers. Um, and so she is one of those people. Um, and Matt Reif uh is uh I needed somebody who also had comedic chops. Um, and Matt is a stand-up comic who toured with Wild and Out, and you know, he's on tour all the time, he's on tour right now. Um, and um, but also, you know, half a million followers between his TikTok and Instagram and Ali Simpson. um, she uh was so good uh, playing this girl who was the star and now there's a new rising Instagram star in our film it's called Insta Talk, which is like Instagram and TikTok all in one. I
0: love that. Yeah.
1: Oh thank you. Uh and Allie's brother, Cody Simpson, uh, you know, is pretty famous here too. Um Allie is from Australia and uh Her mom was on the phone with me. You know, we started shooting March 10th of last year. By March 15th, we took our first day off at night and we realized the whole world was falling apart and we didn't know what was going on because we were consumed with the film. And Allie's mom called and said, I need my daughter home now. Put her on a plane to Australia. There's only a few flights left. So we had to knock her out really, really quick and get her home. It was a very difficult shoot. It was because uh, people were nervous. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't have a lot of information. And then the president came on the TV that night and, you know, said we have a real pandemic here um, and we're going to shut down flights to Russia. And, there, you know, all kinds of things were happening. We couldn't get toilet paper. We couldn't get sanitizer. Uh, it, was, it was a trying time. Um, but Ali was fantastic. I
0: mean, other films as well during that time so yes can...
1: the difference is the other films I was prepared for this like okay here are the rules this is COVID here's how we navigate everybody gets tested mm-hmm. we wear the PPP Like, we have a, a system and I'm, I've been at the forefront of filming in these conditions because I started as the pandemic hit but when we started the film there was no pandemic so for it to hit in the middle of a film where you don't know what's going on And we don't know how many, like we had to cut the schedule in the middle of the shoot. That is very difficult to do. It's one thing to say we're going to shoot 12 days or 11 days in this case. It's another when you've already shot five days, you have another 11 days left. And now you have to finish those 11 days in six. That's what happened to us. So, um, So the other shoots were actually a lot easier. This one was very difficult because we were also losing people. People were scared. People were like, I'm not coming. I'm going home. Like they're, they're shutting down. There's a curfew. But, um, and we were scrambling uh, to, to deal with the elements. So it, it's just wild that we had a premiere the other night. And this movie marks the beginning of the pandemic. The pandemic broke yeah,
0: yeah. in the
1: middle of the movie. So uh, it's, you know, reflecting on it, it was just something. And... Um, and you know, continue, because
0: you just saying that, I just, it, it didn't even really exactly hit me that, wow, it has been a year, just about. It's been so, a year and a half. Yeah. And yeah, that's crazy. I,
1: my first day of production <laughs> was March 10th. The president wow. came on the TV wow. the night of March 15th and the wow. governor shut down, uh, put the lockdown on California, I think on March 19th. So that gives you an idea, of the, uh, an idea of the time frame. And that March was when everything exploded. So like we were prepping the film in February and I was like, oh, you know, there's this thing. It's in Russia. It's in China. You know, we don't think it's coming here. Oh, it hit Italy. Oh, Italy. Italy's saying, hey, you guys uh, be careful because this is crazy. And we like, like, all right, yeah, it's in Italy. You know, and, and like that's, that's what we knew. Now. And so when we filmed the movie, we didn't think this was coming like we didn't think it was coming anytime soon you know and right then it was like not only is it coming it's here and we're locking it down and you guys need to stop filming and it's like oh my god okay mm. this is real
0: right and during that time of when you have to take breaks in between what are you doing are you writing are you like what what had this time helped you to become an, a better writer, producer? I mean, you did just finish after, from what I heard, 10 years, you've been working on A Christmas Letter. All is right, that so first true? first off, yeah,
1: I don't know what this break is. <laughs> I'm yet to have one. But uh, <laughs> <Right>. this uh, <laughs> A Christmas Letter I wrote in 2005, the first draft, and I went through many drafts. From there, it's been optioned three times and three times it's come back to me. And this third time, I just at this point, I said, well, I'm making movies now. I'm producing movies. I can figure out how to produce this one. And that's what I did. Um, But yeah, that movie's been around for 15 years. And um, like 2006 is really when I finished that first draft. And, um, And what I did was having because I'm also Canadian, by the way. Yeah. I was born and raised in Montreal. So I, uh, I said, let me use that to my advantage since I'm the writer uh, and I'll be the lead actor. Um, that already knocks off two massive uh, points that you need for the point system to be Canadian content. Uh, now I just need a Canadian director. And I was smart enough to know that this is one movie I should not direct myself um, because it is really difficult um, telling you from experience having directed two films already that when you're the, the number one lead of the movie and you're in most of the scenes, it is really hard to do that and direct. I don't know how Woody Allen did it. I really don't because um, you know, every time I have to act in a scene um, it's tough when I'm, when I'm directing. So I make sure that two things, one I have a very good first AD which I had on death link um, and that made that process go really well with me, uh, in that movie. Uh, and the other thing is make sure it's not too big a role, um, so that it's not that many days, um, to, to mess with the flow of things because when I'm directing, I'm, I'm moving the traffic. I'm, I'm moving everyone. And so, you know, for me to all of a sudden be in front of the camera and give that up, um, you don't want to do that for too, for too much of the schedule. So, um so I said I'm gonna I'm gonna bring on a director and I'm very happy I brought on Brian Roberts Brian K Roberts who has many Emmys on his shelf and uh is a comedy guy uh big director for Everybody Loves Raymond I know he was one of the main guys on that um and a bunch of great shows um and so the comedy was a huge part of uh, a Christmas letter it premiered Uh, on December 1st on the CBC in Canada. It's going to be here in the States very soon. I'll let you know when I have an announcement uh, on that. Um, And yeah, it's just a feel-good family movie. Uh, And it it was just a question that had popped into my head, which is, where do all those Dear Santa letters go?
0: Yeah. Yeah, You write the letter, you put it
1: in the mail, what happens? Right, right. And when I asked the post office, you know, their answer was basically, well, it goes to wherever the address is. I'm like, the address. So what do we yeah. all put? We put North Pole, right? So what if there's a S-clause who lives on a North Pole road in Canada? <laughs> right, right. You know, so, uh, so what happens is these kids um, –
0: Mark Kidd, by the way, clearly. (laughs) Yes. So these
1: twins, uh, they're not twins, the brother and sister. Um, This girl is adorable and younger and the older brother, uh, not as adorable, let's say. And this family wants to adopt the the little girl and not the boy. And they're scared they're going to be separated. So they run away to find Santa. So he'll find them a home for Christmas. And their big plan is they'll follow the letter. And so they follow this ladder onto the truck. They stow away on the truck and it takes them from Detroit to uh, North Pole Road in Canada. Uh, And there is a Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, and there's a Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. And I know this well because I flew in in complete lockdown in Canada. Uh, April of this year, I flew in. I had to go through Michigan. I had to drive over the border from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan into Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. And uh, and it was hardcore. I mean, I was double vaccinated. They didn't care. I had to get, uh, I wasn't allowed to leave the car. I had to go straight to a quarantine house. And I had to be quarantined for two weeks. And they checked on me every day. So it was pretty intense. Um, and we did a lot of good prep on the movie during that lockdown. The director and I were together in uh, the producer's house for Rebecca Heron. And uh, and Trish Raynon also uh, produced that with 180 Sisterhood, and uh, we became like a little family in this house, and just um, you know prepped the prepped the living daylights out of this movie. So um, so we were really prepared, and we made a really cute movie. I'm really happy with it.
0: I absolutely love it, and I also love that the message in this film, because I do feel there are many. Um, there are many stories that are untold. There are many stories that we don't hear enough of and foster homes and foster care, or foster families, we don't hear enough of those. We we do watch films all the time and those families are, you know, actually a uh, blood family, you know? Um, and that doesn't represent everyone so if we're talking about representation i can tell that your 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 writing your mind is actually all in the same in the same thing so yeah it's it's
1: been a big it's been a big part of my charitable work is at one point i was actually working a lot with penny lane here in los angeles which finds homes for displaced kids and takes them in kids whose parents are drug addicts or in jail or whatever it may be. Um, and these kids have nowhere to go. Um, and I've um, used to work uh, with them and then kind of shifted over to United Friends of the Children, um, which is a lot of the same thing. And my partner, Bob Daly is very active in that charity. So, um, uh, but both of them are super important to me because um kids are you know I mean not to sound overly cliche but kids are the future and um, how are we looking after that future how are we looking after our kids it's all nice and dandy for those of us who grow up in a privileged house where we have three meals a day and loving parents uh, and school and everything we need to succeed but there are a lot of kids that don't Um, and so yeah it was great to to bring that into the into the film, again, without hitting it on the head, without making it about that. But this is a, a woman who brought in six foster kids and is raising them and needs help. <laughs> and this male man comes along and uh, and falls in love with this, this woman in this family. Yeah.
0: <laughs> love it. That that's, that's really awesome. I'm just glad that these stories are being told. And it doesn't, Every story that's being told doesn't always have to be so heavy, and in, in surrounded just the to topic. So I love the influences that you that you add into that, and it is the wonderful holidays. Um, what are you and your family doing for the holidays? Well,
1: I, I saw my mother for the first time in two and a half years because of this pandemic, and you know the borders have been closed with Canada. I got in on a work like uh, media falls under emergency services. The fact that movies fall into that, I guess you can call it a gray area, but that's how all these things have been shooting in Canada. So it's like, was the one exception. Um, But but if it's non-essential services, you cannot travel back and forth or you were not able to before. Now you are. So my mom was finally able to fly out here and how nice that she got to come to the premiere of Death Link uh, and sit in the Chinese theater in Hollywood. Uh, and be a part of that it was a big big deal for me and my sister was there as well Um, and then she got home in time to watch the premiere on the cbc in canada
0: oh how cool is that so
1: she got both yeah um and then yeah so jody sweeten and i from the full house days for many of the old full house fans out there um i actually dated her older sister on the show uh, DJ played by Candace Cameron. But um, in this one, it's Jody and I who are the romantic leads. It's called Just Swipe. Uh, I don't have a date or network to announce. All I can tell you is it'll be one of the Paramount networks. And um, we just did a deal with Viacom and it will be... On a network soon to announce um, when exactly I don't know, but I will let you know, Uh, but it's coming really soon. And that's a really, really fun movie. And the woman who was my assistant first assistant director on Deathlink did a tremendous job uh, directing this one. Uh, And I was really happy to work with her as as an actor under her directing, which I got to do in Deathlink when she directed the scenes when I was acting. So I had that experience and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, So yes, that one's coming. Wolf Mountain, I'm weeks away from completing. Uh, That was the second film I directed. And it stars Danny Trejo and Tobin Bell from the Saw franchise, Um, this Latin pop star Malu Trevejo. Uh, who's got a massive following um, and, uh, and a hit single called Luna and Lena uh, with I think 150 million views on YouTube um, and uh, and it's got uh, Fernando Romero, Eddie McClintock so that's and Kelly Price as the, as Eddie, the yeah I love my you Eddie know. McClintock yeah, and I've put him in three films now. He's in Just Swipe yeah, also. Right, right. Just Swipe. <laughs> I got a- to put Eddie in as many things as I can, so I keep casting him, uh, and I and I love it. Um, so, so those are all coming out. My favorite girlfriend that just wrapped on uh, in October. Um, we're still editing, finishing that off, uh, uh, but that's going to come out sometime next year. And uh, that I just produced. It's amazing. I was not the actor. I was not the director. I was not the writer. They just asked me to come help produce the film. And I'm getting set to produce another film that I'm just producer on. This is a very strange thing. And it's called Candy Flip. And I'll let you know more about that as we're just into casting right now. That's supposed to go January. Then in February, I am making another film called Hunt Club with Mickey Rourke. He's already attached then i'm doing a really fun action movie called joe baby which i'll let you know about uh when i get closer to that and then i'll be directing two more films so um
0: you are yeah i don't know what this break
1: is you spoke of earlier but when i get one know
0: (laughs) but you know that draws me to ask this question because oftentimes during this pandemic and in quarantine, so many people had time to themselves and to you know, self-discovery and things of that nature. Where did you find that time? I didn't,
1: I just worked. Mm-hmm. I worked nonstop from the, before the pandemic broke to today. I, I work from the time I wake up until I can't keep my eyes open. And if I can take off a day to go see a movie or go to a dinner or something, it's rare. You know, it's just, that's that's how intense this has been. And for those like me who've grown up being actors who are either fast, you know, feast or famine, um, I guess when you're on a roll, you just just keep going because we know what it's like to have downtime. And so I just haven't had any downtime in the last two years. Um, And that's just, the way I like it, so it's fine. Right.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> and it looks like for the next two years, it won't be too much downtown either. You know, you're
1: 2022 busy. is going to be a busy, busy, busy year.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And you know what? Um, one thing about you that you create with your project, all of your, your cast members, producers, staffs, and crews, y'all really become like a family. How important is that for you um or does it happen organically or do you go in and, and kind of set that foundation
1: yeah i set that foundation that's exactly right because it is um it is so difficult to make a film when you have negative people um when they bring it down when they talk badly about people i've been on those sets um and it's poisonous and um so I find a gang, I have found a gang. Everyone from my producer, Kip Tribble, you know, who really takes care of the line producing side, Kenny Yates, my production manager, um, even my wardrobe, um, key wardrobe, Jenna Ledera. um, and just the whole team, Tina Sutakina did two films with me, Tim Alec Mully did two films with me. Um, Actors like Eddie McClintock, people I can count on who are good people. Um, Chaz Bono, you'll see more of him. Um, you know, he worked on my Reboot Camp film, uh, which came out this year as well. Right. Uh, yes. it's, in fact, it's out there right now. You can rent it on VOD, yes. iTunes, Amazon, all that. That's a great movie, by the way. We won the
0: Austin it Film is. Festival. So, we, so, we many, so many people, award winners, uh, Emmy Award winner. Emmy Award winner. I mean, ja so many- rapper. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> exactly. So, you know, um, the good people stay and the bad people are not invited back. And that's basically how the system's gone. And now that I've made so many movies, um, I keep the good ones. I know who they are. And that makes the whole process just go so much simpler. And, um, and that goes on the post-production side, too, by the way. Matt Dean, who's been my post-production supervisor, basically, and um, has done things like the whole sound package uh, on Just Swipe. He also did the color correction. Um, Joshua Santana and c Meta Labs have done the uh, the visual effects, and they've been huge for me. I mean, uh, I had 256 visual effects shots in Deathlink, and for anybody who's in the business, they know that that could be anywhere between 125 and $250,000. And clearly that is not what I spent. So um, Joshua really looked after me on that and, and all these films he's been involved in, you know, all these Wolf Mountain. So Wolf Mountain, I got to promote him, you know, and he said, I want to, I want to be the cinematographer on a film. I want a DP. And I said, okay, here you go. And so he was my DP on, on Wolf Mountain. And that's really one of the, cool things about this group. Um, you take Duncan Johnson and Andrew Savas and, and Nate, um, and all these camera guys, they keep flipping positions. Okay, you be the DP this one, I'll operate, I'll gaffer. Okay, next one, gaffer goes all DP, DP goes all gaffer, and I'll operate. And like, they just keep having each other's backs. And every time one is like, this is the one I want to DP. It's like, okay, I'll gaffer that one. And these guys are that group. And um, and it's just amazing to see, again, really good people. They're all happy to be there. They don't complain. Um, and there's tough conditions sometimes that uh, I on, on bigger union shoots, I hear a lot of complaining. And, uh, and these guys just say, thanks for the job. You know it's really nice. So, so uh, that you got to get a good gang, and you got to stay loyal to them, okay. and they will stay loyal right. to you. And you got to take care of them. And you know, the, I remember on Death Link, we lost our makeup artist. She was very, she was just freaked out when COVID was breaking out. She's like, "I'm not coming." And so we had to hire another makeup artist to finish out the film. And so she was on the last couple of days. We always pay payroll at the end of the week and now it was the end of the shoot so it was the final payroll and we handed her a check and she was like you handed me a check I'm like yeah and she's like thank you thank you so much and we're like yeah what what's up and she's like i'm still not paid on my last film that i wrapped a month ago and i was like wow and you know we've paid in fact on deathlink i paid people for the extra days that they didn't work, that they, they were supposed to work. I even paid them, them that. And it's that kind of stuff that comes back to you. You know, these people- oh,
0: bless you. <laughs> they come back and they
1: say, anytime you're shooting, I'm there. And um, and that kind of loyalty goes a long way. And these oh, low budget oh. films,
0: yeah, we
1: don't have those kinds of people. These low budget films will kill you. And, um, right. and this is how we get through them. Yeah,
0: so. I, I love that. Um, Thank you so much for coming, Mr. David. It I- is my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, subscribe now.